Bear knocks it down on the left wing for Garland. Near circle, Horvat into the slot for Ethan Bear, shoots, he scores! Ethan Bear has his first as a Canuck, and it's 2-0 Vancouver before the midway mark of the opening period. 8.03 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. We are right underway. Brendan Batchelor is going to join us in a second here. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet. The most trustworthy place ever. What did you say? <laughs> okay. Don't don't reply to Andy. I thought he said on on the show. I thought he said one. I thought he said it on the air. <laughs> We're a well-oiled machine here <laughs> at he, Alfred. Oh, did you just say that? Okay, you recover. I'm going to tell listeners uh. that we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. <laughs> Kintech. <laughs> you can't just yell words like that in my ear. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit. At kintech.net. Finally. Andy and Laddie do have as they have a they have a bit of a habit of of whispering our ear at the worst possible time. Yeah. Whispering sweet nothings at the Oh, most it's intentional. It's totally intentional. I don't know. Have fun doing that right now. Uh, okay, finally, before we get to Brendan Bachelor, uh, I need to tell you about the ultimate ultimate whistler experience in support of the Canucks Autism Network. I'm going to make this simpler than I have before. Go to CanucksAutism.ca to buy raffle tickets. They start at $5 a pop. Uh, there's a variety of things involved in this Whistler package. Uh, the Nita Lake Lodge, the Scandinavian Spa, restaurant, and there's a bunch of swag as well that you all get gift cards for. Sales close Monday, November 21st at 10 p.m. You must be 19 plus and within BC to enter the raffle. So again, go to CanucksAutism.ca, a much simpler and smoother URL to send to the people uh, and buy a raffle ticket. You could win a pretty sweet prize. Okay. Phone lines. We go. Brendan Bachelor joins us now on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? How are you? How's it going? How about that 95th minute Panenka there? That was unbelievable. I, you know, we're, we're joking because we got to watch Lucas Cavallini play for a while yeah. in, in Vancouver. He's no longer a white cap, but he certainly had some moments here. And I said, that right there is, and I don't mean to cast dispersions on the guy, but someone that thinks before they act or just act, thinks on, acts on impulse. Like they didn't, if he had missed that in that kind of fashion, like he's on every highlight blooper reel for what, leading up to the World Cup and probably through the World Cup. But he tries it, it trickles in, and all of a sudden you're looking at it and it's like, wow, uh, Cavallini scores a penalty to give Canada a 2-1 victory over 24th ranked in the world, Japan, ahead of the World Cup. Like, it worked out great. He just It was just a bit risky, that's all. Yeah, it's uh, not how I would have drawn it up, but you know what? You'll take it. And, uh, yeah, a good result for Canada and a bit of momentum to carry into the World Cup, too. So that's always good. Speaking of momentum, Canucks have a little bit anyway. They do have a win. <laughs> they, got, they, got a, they, they closed out what was a difficult road trip with a win against a, a Buffalo team that has really hit the skids lately. Uh, and then they've got some extended time off to face Los Angeles tomorrow night. You know, it was funny, Batch, when we were doing the previews for the show, we didn't really talk an awful lot about what happened the last game or what's going to happen against L.A. There was two real talking points. Uh, one, Bruce Boudreaux remains the head coach of this club. And two, 
based on some reporting from Satyar Shah, which he mentioned yesterday on Connect Central. It sounds as though the preferred course of action would be a trade as opposed to changing the head coach. And all of this is happening while the team still tries to right the ship and gets back into it in action on Friday against L.A. As always, Batch, interesting times to be covering this Canucks team. Yeah, and unfortunately, over the last few years, the storylines off the ice have been more compelling than the ones on it. And I think, you know, early this season, that is the case again with the team struggling where, uh, you know, for a second straight year, there's questions about the head coach. Now we've got, you know, trades in, involved in the conversation. Uh, you know, Jim Rutherford coming on our airwaves and, and giving the kind of interview that he's given. So, you know, it's not the way Canucks fans would like it to be, certainly. Certainly, you'd much rather be talking about good results and strong play on the ice, but it's the soap opera that is the Vancouver Canucks that continues to to be, you know, the the compelling part of following this team at the moment. Um, but it would be nice, you know, getting back to what you were talking about about momentum, if they could get a bit going here and win a few games and start feeling good about themselves and, and correct some of the things in their overall play that I think have been slowly trending in the right direction. Unfortunately for them. They've got L.A., Vegas twice, and Colorado in the next 10 days here. So it's it's a tough patch in the schedule for them, and we'll see how they manage to weather the storm. I thought it was really interesting how Bruce Boudreaux managed his bench uh, in the mm-hmm. last game. Um, I thought the fourth line played really well from a structure perspective, and I was joking with Halford. I actually, like, noticed – in there's probably about three or four minutes left and the fourth line was out there and and uh buffalo had the puck and they could not break up the ice because there was that structure there from the fourth line and i don't know if that's a good thing when i notice structure do you know what i mean like it's good for the fourth line but when you notice that a team is having trouble getting through the canucks and you're like hey so it can be done Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, I've thought about this a little bit this year where in most Canuck games thus far this season, and certainly in a lot of them last year, early in the year too, you know, I'd start to think to myself, man, it seems to be so easy for other teams to gain the attacking blue line. Why is it easy for the Canucks? Why is it never the other way where, you know, they're the team that's cutting through the neutral zone and and easily gaining the blue line and and not turning the puck over in bad areas? And, you know, part of that is going to be individual talent or skill of players or lack thereof. But certainly, yeah, structure is is a fair criticism of this team. It's not the only criticism of this team because certainly the personnel, especially on the blue line, are are not where you'd want them to be in terms of quality. But, you know, at the same time, I think, and I know you guys talked about this on your show with Justin Bourne, and he wrote a really good piece on it on sportsnet.ca about, you know, what, what some of the forwards are doing that isn't helping the defensemen and how, you know, the way forwards play in the neutral zone and the offensive zone is going to affect your ability to defend. So this all comes back to structure. And, you know, as much as there are many things that are wrong with this team right now, structure is certainly one of them. And for me, it's, it's high up the list. So when you see a line that can establish its forecheck, that can disrupt play through the neutral zone, that can limit the other team's speed in transition, it does stand out because that's not something the Canucks have done very much this year. I remember Claude Julian 
and Halford, you'll remember this because you made a pretty good joke about it once. Claude Julien would always talk about layers of defense, and you want the first layer, mm-hmm. and then if you get through the first layer, the second layer, and you once described Claude Julien's uh, defensive system as a seven-layer bean dip. Yeah. More layers, <laughs> more layers than a Mexican dip. That was the line. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, Brock Besser was dropped down to the third line with Sheldon Dries and Nils Hoaglander against the Sabres in that trio really struggled. I think Dries was minus four in just seven minutes of ice time. Besser and Hoaglander were, were minus three. Besser only played 13 minutes. What are you seeing from Brock Besser right now? Uh, not a whole lot, and you feel for him because in many ways I don't blame him for that because of the injury issues that sort of derailed the start to his season where you know he missed all the preseason then he goes out of the lineup again because the the incision on his hand where he had surgery opens up again and you know for a guy that talked at training camp about having had a good summer and wanting to come into the year feeling good and feeling healthy and you know had that line at camp in Whistler about you know this is the year to hit 30 goals you couldn't have imagined a worse start to the year for him, to be honest. He hasn't scored yet. Um, he hasn't really got up to speed in terms of of being in the lineup and playing well. Uh, you know, for the first part of the year, he was removed from the top power play unit. Now he's been put back there. So that's, you know, an area that he can try and build on in terms of confidence in his game. But it seems to be the same old story with Brock Besser where, you know, just when you think he's going to have an opportunity to gain some momentum in his individual game and and start to grow injuries, hamper him yet again. So, you know, uh, I think we talked about this on on the pregame show a couple games ago about how Besser's been struggling. And I said, I want to give him five to 10 more games to try and round into form before I I really want to, you know, lay heapings of criticism on him for the way he's playing. But at the same time, with the way this team has started the year, how far behind the eight ball they are, And, you know, the pressure that I'm sure Bruce Boudreaux is feeling to start winning games here. I'm not surprised he was dropped down the lineup. I'm not surprised his minutes were limited. And, you know, as long as this team is in the situation where they feel like they desperately have to win games, the head coach is going to prioritize the guys that are going, as he did with JT Miller the other night when he played him 25 minutes. So, um, you know, it's kind of a sink or swim situation for Besser right now. And uh, he's got to start paddling. Speaking of which guys are going and tough decisions that are going to be made, who do you think will start in goal against the Kings on Friday? Yeah, I I would assume Thatcher Demko, but at the same time, I would have assumed Thatcher Demko in the game against the Sabres. And Spencer Martin came in and made the saves he had to make yet again for this team to win. And, you know, in the long term, They've got to get Thatcher Demko going. He's going to be their meal ticket. He's going to find his way through this spell of poor form to start the year and get back to being the legitimate starting goaltender in the NHL that we all saw that he was last year and know that he can be. But when you're in, you know, the isolated stretch of the season right now where this team needs wins, you've got a head coach on an expiring contract who needs wins, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they go back to Spencer Martin again tomorrow night. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. So uh, our good buddy Greg Wyshynski from ESPN and uh, the guys that run Hockey Reference, there was a Twitter thread going around last night talking about Demko's play thus far. Now, there's... um, 
There's numbers that they use, and Laddie, you can either nod or shake your head at these. The the quality starts stat, does that have some yeah. validity to it? Okay, it's not just a made-up one for these guys' sake. No. Um, basically, the, 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 the idea was that based on these metrics, it's called quality start or really bad start. It was Our, taken from the baseball model. Right, right like yeah. Quality start right. for a pitcher. It's, it's just the wording's pretty funny, right? It's quality start, that's fine, but really bad starts. Demko has four RBSs. Or really bad starts. That's basically where your save percentage dips below 850 through his 11 games this year. And he just had seven in 61 games last year. So very clearly, it's been an issue for him. It's almost, a, I mean, it's, it's a byproduct that the team's not winning and Thatcher Demko not playing well are going to coincide with one another. But it's almost unfortunate that they're happening at the same time because, yeah, you'd like him to work through these issues, but at the same time, there's nothing to suggest that you shouldn't let Spencer Martin run with this a little bit. I mean, his goal today hasn't been picture perfect, but I like that metric where uh, a goalie gets you wins and points. And, you know, for better or for worse, Spencer Martin's been doing that. Yeah, you know, the way I would characterize it is Spencer Martin has made the saves he needs to make, and Thatcher Damko hasn't. And again, not that Martin is completely standing on his head and stealing games for this club, but he's making the saves you would have expect of him and he's making a handful more as well and that's basically what we saw from Thatcher Demko on a night by night basis last year with a few games sprinkled in where he would have the absolute unbelievable stop or a sequence where he was heavily under pressure and found a way to keep the puck out of the back of the net you know I think about that game against the Rangers early last year where they had that crazy sequence in their defensive zone and he lost his blocker that's what we have come to expect from Thatcher Demko and it's not what he's provided to this point in the year. And, you know, coupled with the fact that, you know, this team in front of him cannot hold a lead has struggled to win games where even they've, you know, built up these multi-goal leads, you know, of all the stats I've seen around this team, the most unbelievable one I've seen in recent weeks is that they now have six games where they've blown multi-goal leads and gone on to loss to lose they've only had six of those games in the previous two seasons and you're not even at the 20 game mark and it's already happened six times so you know yes Demko's play has not been good enough he needs to be a lot better would they have won some of those games where they had leads if Demko had bailed them out certainly I think that is the case but at the same time it has to fall on the players in front of him too and circling back around to Spencer Martin he's found a way to make those few crucial saves that make the difference in games where the momentum can turn against you. And right now, momentum, you know, has been a killer for the Canucks when they give up the bad goal or they give up the goal that lets a team back into the game. What do you think the Canucks are being told by the coaching staff on how to play when they've got the lead? Because it seems to me, and I think I've heard a few snippets here and there, that they're being told to try and go get another goal. And that's what it looks like. Like they they had a I mean I think it was when they had their two goal lead in Buffalo. They were running and gunning with the Sabers and I apologize I was watching TV and even Shorty was uh saying like geez, I don't know if this style matches up to what the Canucks want. Now, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't with this with this Canucks media because if they went into a shell, we'd be like, well, you can't just go into a shell and you can't just like, you know, turn into all defending, like you still got to go try and attack a little bit, but surely 
there's got to be a happy medium between running and gunning with a two or three goal lead and going into a shell. Isn't there something in the middle that the Canucks can find? Yeah, you would think so. And this kind of reminds me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Elaine Vigneault early in his tenure came under heavy criticism for trying to protect leads with the Canucks. And oftentimes, you know, they would cough it up because they went in to that defensive shell and he sort of had to adapt and and change. You know, I, I agree that there should be a happy medium, but overall, this team's lack of defensive structure means that there isn't. Right. Like if you're going for the next goal and you're not a structured defensive team, you're going to give up chances against. Yeah. And then if you go into that defensive shell, you're also, you know, not trying to score. But because you don't play well defensively, you're probably still going to give up chances against. So, you know, in many ways, you know, you might as well go for the run and gun style because at least you have the opportunity of creating offense with you know, your group that has shown that it can score goals and score them in bunches this year. Um, It's just shocking when you see all these odd man rushes that the Canucks are giving up with with a lead. Like that. Well, yeah, and it comes down to puck management, right? Like it's it's a team that has not been able to manage the puck well at all this year. They turn the puck over in bad areas. You know, as Bourne talked about, you know, they don't have a, a third forward above the puck or above his his opposing player. And when that happens, yeah, you might create some offense because you cheat to offense, but you're also going to give up offense to the other team as well. And, you know, with the way the defense is played and with the way the goaltending has been saved for the few games that Spencer Martin has been able to come in and, and win for them, uh, it's it's not a recipe for success. But then again, you know, sitting back and, and going into that shell that you talk about probably isn't a recipe for success for this team either because they're not good enough defensively. Batch, great stuff today, bud. Thanks a lot for doing this. We appreciate it. Have a good call tomorrow night. We'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Brendan Batchelor here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. Canucks are back in action tomorrow night, as mentioned, against the Los Angeles Kings. We are giving away a pair of tickets coming up. In the 830 segment, the best what we learned. Hashtag it WWL and add a ticket emoji. Best what we learned wins a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Kings. 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Friday, Friday night at Rogers Arena. Think about it. You could be there, and it won't cost you anything other than a little creativity, a hashtag, and an emoji. That's it. It's so simple. Do you want to do any what we learned? I'm going to do what we learned now, okay, and it's a, it's a very serious what we learned. Oh. Um, there's a lot of pickleball injuries out there. Really? I'm learning this. I, I was actually watching uh, the news last night, Okay. and it was a CBC report, a very special report. Breaking, uh, breaking. And I'm just going to read the first little bit of it. Pickleball is now the fastest growing sport in the United States with more than 5 million players across the country. But, dun, 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 as more people are playing, doctors are seeing a surge in pickleball-related injuries. What's and the this, most common? I might be putting you on the spot here, but what's the most common pickleball-related injury? Well, it's just a lot of knees and ankles and hip because... Like goalies. Well, there's a lot of sudden movements out there. I actually, now I have recovered from this injury, so uh, I don't think there has to be any telethons or anything like that. But I'm going to do a 5K fun run. Go fund me. I rolled my ankle pretty badly playing playing pickleball. pickleball. I wasn't wearing the best shoes. They didn't have the most support. And 
I'm pretty quick. So I made a sudden move and my ankle rolled over. And I imagine there's a lot of injuries like that. That was the end of Jason's pickleball career. No, it's just the, no, it wasn't. I mean, I, I battled back. And I had to get, a, it was both a physical uh, challenge. But you could have been a pro had not that injury occurred, right? It was a physical challenge, but also a mental challenge to get back out there on the court because every time I planted my right foot, I was like, is it going to roll? And I just had to get over that. See, the the important thing here to note is that uh, you overcame it because a lot of people in that situation. They quit. Well, well especially yeah. you, sometimes they just put them down in those situations. <laughs> So. Oh, that's a, that's a horse joke. <laughs> Off to the glue. <laughs> Sometimes they do it right there at the court. <laughs> um, uh, a report in the Journal of Emergency Medicine, one of my favorite medical journals. I love that journal. Estimates there are, are about 19,000 pickleball injuries per year, with 90% of them affecting people 50 and older. Now, I'm obviously not 50 and older. I mean, I'm very young. Yeah. But it can still it can, it, it can still affect you. So listen, if you're thinking about taking up pickleball or you're currently playing pickleball, just be careful. Give us a moo cow on that. Well, I, I got what we learned. Um, you know that I kind of keep my ear to the ground, my eyes open for any time there's a sports movie or a spo- sports documentary out there. Probably the only movies you watch, really. Really? Um, I just watched on mute because I'm paying attention to the show. Uh, the trailer for 80 for Brady. Do we know about this? Do we know what this is? Do you guys remember this? No. Remember when Tom Brady retired? Yeah, I do. Briefly for, for a few in, minutes in February. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it was announced that he was going to produce a film. It was a real, it's, it's a real like actual, it's not a documentary. There's a okay. script and it's been cast and everything. Okay. So I didn't know what the movie was about. Is it about crypto? Nope. It is a fictional account of four senior female friends. I think that's the 80. I think they're octogenarians Mm -hmm. who take a road trip to Houston to watch their hero, Tom Brady, and the New England Patriots play in the Super Bowl. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Sally Field, who I think have won like, I don't know, 10 Oscars or Emmys between Mm -hmm. them. Uh, And Rita Moreno, Tom Brady's in it. That's quite a cast. For some reason, Guy Tom Brady's F- in it. For some reason, Guy Fieri's in it. I don't. <laughs> Is it like a road trip hijinks kind of movie? Yep, but with senior citizens. Uh, yeah, and then who else is in it? Uh, Bob Balaban, Sarah Gilbert, who I think was on Roseanne. So I don't really know exactly what's <laughs> going on with this movie. I watched the trailer. The trailer is about two and a half minutes of just product and people placement. Like, hey, look, there's Tom Brady. Look, there's Guy Fieri. Was He's their got- casting director just like, okay, who's available right now? Let's just put out a casting Now, the everybody. best part is is that the NFL has obviously worked in conjunction with the producers, so it's also got that glitzy NFL-approved feel like in Draft Day. You've seen Draft Day, right? The, mm-hmm. Maybe the worst movie that's ever made. Um, it's product placement for the NFL. Right. The NFL signed off on everything, okay. so it gets to put like the logos and the insignias and Roger Goodell was in it. Oh, good. This has almost got the same schlocky, glossy feel as that. I, and again, I watched the trailer on mute, so mm-hmm. I didn't even get to hear the dialogue. Have you guys uh, heard about this new movie called Violent Night? No. Oh, yeah. It's the uh, it horror is... Santa Claus with, uh, what's his, David uh, from Stranger Things. Oh, it's a it... play on Silent Night. Yeah. It oh. is going to be uh, heavily promoted. You're going to see it heavily promoted. Huh. Um, Santa Claus is basically in an action movie. Here's the premise, according to Wikipedia. When a group of mercenaries attack the estate of a wealthy family on Christmas Eve, 
Santa Claus must step in to save the day. Do we really want to see Santa Claus in an action movie? Like, is he going to be? Is 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 he going to be killing people? Can I can I uh, please read the tagline for this movie? You guys ready for this? Yeah. Who whoever wrote this, we need to hire them. Like this, like, this is either going to be a, a smash hit or it's going to be like. Movie making is over. I'm pretty sure it's going to be amazing. The tag for Violent Night. Santa Claus is on the grounds, and he's about to show why this Nick is no saint. (laughs) Very good. It's like it's Die Hard sort of, but you're actually- But it's Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) David Harbour from Stranger Things. He's great. It'll be good. Okay. It'll, it'll be fun. It'll, it'll probably be very it'll, stupid. It'll but be no. fun. John Leguizamo's in it. In any oh, movie with John Leguizamo, I got to go. I'm going to have cast. I'm going to have a uh, editorial on it. How uh, Hollywood has even turned Santa Claus into a psychopathic killer. Yeah. Wait, he might not be a psychopathic killer. He might be defending. Yeah, he sounds something. like he's kind of the hero. What was that movie yeah, where the, they cast the, Bob, the, uh, the wealthy family yeah. needs Santa Claus <laughs> yeah. to defend them? Yeah. yeah. He's coming what to, was, to uh, the rescue. It, the but the idea is now I think based on my very limited understanding of the current movie industry, is you're supposed to take non traditional tough guys or girls and put them in these odd scenarios like that one where Bob Odenkirk was that was good the nobody. assassin nobody it was right? actually really yeah, good. yeah. you entire... know what I had higher hopes for it okay I, like I thought it. it was okay we're not doing movie reviews Ebert and Siskel just calm down <laughs> what we're talking about is uh, th- you're supposed to put the most Non traditional looking yeah. individual in that. Cause like Bob Odenkirk was yeah, like, the idea is anybody lawyer. can be an action hero. Yeah. You right. can. And, you. And the, that, that you. premise now extends to Santa yeah. Claus, which is, um, it's sure something. I have a quick what we learned before we go to break. Yeah. Like, Mook out mine. Yeah, sure. Why not? Who cares? So Webster's Dictionary uh, has added new words to the game Scrabble, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. And one of them is the word embiggen. Embiggins no has been added. Embiggin has been added to Scrabble, and they define it as a verb meaning to increase in size is among the unexpected. It is a perfect. A noble spirit embiggins the smallest man. Never there heard it is. Of that word to move to Springfield. <laughs> so was that not a word before? Well, it, it was cromulent, but it, was it wasn't cr- official. It was a word. <laughs> it was in certain dictionaries, but now it's in the official Scrabble dictionary. Yeah. So it can be played. Drant, Drant, Drant will be using it real soon. For right? sure. Um, yeah. that He's probably is... playing Scrabble right now. <laughs> you, imagine being Drant's editor. He's like, have you got a different word for this? That one that doesn't make you seem yeah. like this? One <laughs> that I can read? I'll tell you what. What, I, what about his outfit yesterday? Yeah, his head embiggened that toque. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> He looked like oh my god. Drance had the toque on and then the plaid oh, it's, shirt it was or whatever. Quite a good drip. He, I was, was like, "Are you me in the nineties? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is going on right now? I loved you in Clerks. Yes. Had, yeah, yeah, that's very good pull. I saw that. Have one you out. heard the Have you heard the new Nirvana album? <laughs> there, there's great new band out of Seattle. I You'll saw, love I, them. I guess between that and then the You Go Girl, it was a very like. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very busy day for Drance, yeah. Drance references and Drance illusions. Anyway, we got to go to break. We'll wave against it for time. Uh, stay tuned for what we learned in the ticket giveaway. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Now for my favorite part of the show. Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. You're right, Krusty, it is. But we press on. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford & Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. 
We are also brought to you, our three specifically, by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Humanoid, what we learns are now fire up the matrix. Before we begin, I learned something literally at the break. We talked on this show before about A Dog's once uh, infamous acting career. What was the name of the film or the the pilot? Sorry. Oh, the great upstanding member. Yes, erections have never been so hard. Yeah, that that, was though it. that's the real tagline. I know not, it is. I know. I know yeah, it let's is. Not, let's yeah, not. Let's not. Let's focus on the big picture here. A <laughs> Dog is back in the acting game, Jason. Have nah, you this? Did you know that? Uh, tell me is, about it. A Dog is back among. He is he in sad. Violent Night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm one of the elves. Some, He's some an reason. elf four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, A Dog's doing extra work, and you were recently in a commercial. For Carl's Jr. That only aired in Philadelphia. That only aired in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. I don't, there's so much to unpack here. Should have asked Frank when he was on if he's seen it. <laughs> yeah. He's there? Like, yeah, yeah, Andy, I know you. And the best part <laughs> is I had to pretend I worked at a film studio and I was just some guy working in the background. So it was great. I was on a film set, on oh, a film okay. set. Okay. Because it's like very, it very meta. Was it supposed to be in Philly? No, yeah. it was for it was for a burger. It was a well, yeah, Philadelphia we were, cheesesteak burger that was at the Carl's Jr. Oh, I we see. were a but, Philadelphia. Uh, Operated yeah. news studio. Oh, in I Phil- see. Okay. Pretending to be in Philadelphia. Like, do, you have, do you have that Philly look though? I, I don't think so. You look, I mean, I, don't I know. feel like I've get, never been to Philadelphia. I, so I, you tell I, me. You know Honestly, what? I, I think you get eaten alive. In Philadelphia. <laughs> 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 Andy's at the part of the, the commercial where they have to kill someone. <laughs> He's like that robot that got just dismantled when yeah, I got to that's Philly. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the pizza delivering robot. Yeah. My best buddy. No, no, no. But there was that robot that got sent. The hitchhiking robot. The yeah. hitchhiking right. robot. <laughs> didn't make it and, <laughs> and where did it go? Like, did it go around the world? Yeah, it went everywhere. And then it got to Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. was like, let's kick it. Yeah. <laughs> it got one block into Philly and just got taken apart. Okay, moo cow that. Even though it wasn't a... It was kind of... It was moo cow worthy. Okay, humanoids. Dot, dot Matrix already fired up. We're good. Uh, big competition today because we got tickets. Up uh, Kyle and Maple Ridge, what we learned with Canada's friendly win against Japan this morning, we've increased our odds from 3% to 5% chance of getting out of the group stage. But seriously, good to see the guys with some confidence headed in to face the Goliath. That is, Belgium I could t- use could use a happy sports story around these parts right about now. Yeah, it, it was a good win. And it, and they did need some positivity. Ever since Canada's qualified for the World Cup, there's been some negative stories. It's been um, almost exclusively negative, unfortunately. Think yeah, about it. They and, had- and their performance against Bahrain the other day wasn't great, although that was mostly MLS players, so they didn't have their stars from Europe. They didn't even have two of their big stars, arguably their two best players today, in Alfonso Davies and uh, Stefan Eustachio, who's been incredible. Uh, in club action recently, um, are both those guys, they're are, they're good to go, right? You just tell me yep. they're good to go. Even if you're lying to me, I just want to know. Porto and Bayern are not going to sign off till the very last minute, but it says all the expectations are that they'll be good to go. Watch now that we've said that, both will be held out of the opener against Belgium just because we said it out loud. But here's the thing. There's no way that Davies and Eustachio are going to like sign off on missing it themselves. This is such a huge moment for the two of them. They're the two. Eustachio, I'll tell you right now, is going to be the guy that increases his profile and increases his value and maybe even gets to a bigger club. He's, no one is going to do that more than him. I think he's going to be, um, I don't want to say a star, but I think he's going to open a lot of people's eyes because those duels that he's going to have, especially against Belgium with De Bruyne and especially against Croatia with Modric, 
he's ready for it. There's not a player on the Canadian team, even Davies, because he's been hurt the last little bit, that's more in form than Eustachio. So I got super high hopes for him. Kevin on the road, what we learned with his talk on pickleball injuries, Bruff has officially entered old man zone. We can expect tirades in the future about why restaurants aren't open for dinner at 4 p.m. First of all, they should be open for dinner at 4 p.m. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've really noticed um, in the last few years, I have gone into old man territory, even ranting at poor Andy and Laddie because they don't get my movie references. Right. Like, that's that's old man stuff. Yeah, like when we brought up Animal House, and then I, I mentioned the most important part was the the film was made before I was born. Now, I know it culturally in terms of a reference point, but everyone should. It's a, it's a 45-year-old movie. <laughs> That's God, the, is it? Yeah. I mean, if you were born in 78, you're 44 this year. It was a 45-year-old movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, here's – time – I understand why why old people get depressed. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Nobody knows Milton Berle anymore. Yeah. I, like, I'm on the verge of having my 25th uh, high school reunion. I've never mm-hmm. gone to one of them. I don't intend on starting. But that's a lot – and it doesn't feel that long It doesn't ago. feel that long ago that we were the fresh faces of – of of Canucks media. And now we've got Craig and Campbell River texting in what we learned. You know in The Simpsons when the MTV host has her red button in her palm go off at spring break? Yeah, it was like the signal that she's too old. Yeah. And Craig goes, I feel that's going to happen to you guys, and Laddie and A-Dog will just slide right into your spot we can only hope. One day. I'm aware that, yeah, we're training the dogs. To That's one why they day. brought us in. Are you guys going to replace us yeah. one day? <laughs> one day, you know. I will destroy like... you before that happens. <laughs> yes. I like... am literally named after a dog that replaced an older, crappier That's dog. True. So... <laughs> we did this to ourselves. I imagine it's going to be, you know that movie Grizzly Man where the guy thinks that the bear is on his side and yeah. then the bear's like, no, I wasn't. I'm still a bear. And then he eats. That's what I imagine. The... My, my last words to Andy and, 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 and Laddie will be, I want you to fail <laughs> so badly. I don't believe in you. Isn't that the, the Montreal Canadiens saying that with failing hands, we pass the torch? Yeah, yeah exactly. With hopes that you actually fail. Uh, Joe Bob, hashtag WWO, what we learned. There's this strange feeling in my stomach. Sorry, Joe Bob. Oh, he says it's ambivalence between being happy that Canada just beat Japan and unhappy that it was Kava who scored the winner, given how his tenure in Vancouver ended. Oh, come on. Um, the Cava story in Vancouver, it's, it, it was a complicated one and it really ended on a bad note because yeah. n- it's not very often in soccer that your record signing in terms of dollar fee and amount paid just walks away on a free. Yeah. Usually you try and get something back either, uh, by a sell on or some sort of convoluted loan. What went wrong? Cause he did score goals. Well, he only scored six last year. Which is fine, but he, uh, JJ Adams from the province had his base salary next year was supposed to be 2.8 million, which is wow. really high for MLS. Um, I just don't ever think it was the right fit. And, and to be fair, after watching him come from the Mexican League to MLS, it was pretty clear that they had cast way too much hype and responsibility. He's a guy that can finish goals in the box. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't really do much. I mean, you know, he's big and he's strong and everything. Do you think he'll play much for Canada and, and Qatar? I think we just saw the highlight of his World Cup campaign, and they're not even in the World Cup. 
Do you think he'll play at all? Not really. No. 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 I, I was I mean, he came on there because it was like open season on substitutions. But, yeah. How many uh, subs were they allowed to make today? Unlimited? Or? I don't know because I, I know they hit five. They might have just gone the max, right. but it's a friendly. Sure. You're like, yeah, 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 sub everyone if you want. Um, I think, to be honest, because um, I think Lucas McNaughton, who I was – I think he got into this match. I think what Herdman did was give minutes to guys at the very end that aren't going to play mm-hmm. in any of the three matches. Because this was kind of their unofficial fourth World Cup match. Guys, right? go out and enjoy this, and I mean enjoy and, it. And you know what? Kudos on Cava. He's like, I'm going to do – he did like the, the Sam Cassell big cojones dance. Like, that was crazy that he did that. Yeah. And he uh, did it. Ryan in Yelltown, what we learned, Bruce Boudreau is not the right coach for the Canucks. With that being said, firing AV wasn't the answer. Neither was firing Torts, Willie, or Travis Green. We lost our direction after 2012 and are yet to find it. Before we make any tri- trades or hiring and firing, a cohesive vision for what we want to uh, do needs to be established. I think that's a really fair text. Um, it does not seem like there's been alignment all the time. And I think the problem for Ryan in Yelltown is going to be that the vision that you want for this club is probably not going to be the vision that they go with. I think they're going to just keep on doing what they're doing. And that is trying to build, you know, I, 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 until we see some sort of uh, sea change in the reports and, the words of management, they have not said that we're going to tear this thing down. They have not said that we're going to aggressively rebuild this thing or tank for that matter. They wouldn't put it in those words, but they have not even acknowledged that they're willing to accept taking a step back. And according to reports, their marching orders from ownership right now is to fix this. And it's not like fix this over the next five years. It's fix it and fix it now. You want my bold prediction on this one? I thought about this one last night. Put countless minutes of effort and research (laughs) into it. Uh, So I've looked at the schedule. So after the Canucks are done that road swing that goes through Colorado, Vegas, and San Jose, uh, they're going to come back home for a home game against Washington. Then they got to run a home games through the end of November, beginning of December. I bet uh, Rick Tockett's the head coach by that Washington game on November 29th. That's my prediction. I love how serious you sound. I bet it's going to be Rick Tockett. Yeah, I think oh, it's going to be Rick Tockett. I think yeah. he's going to be the head coach. Because the other thing I was thinking about, um, everyone's like, well, why change the head coach? Like, what's the point? Uh, why keep him? He's not going to be back. He's not coaching beyond this year. I mean, yeah. that much is pretty obvious. Why not give the guy a chance to try and pick up a gig somewhere else? Or maybe, honestly, if you look at it. Well, it brings me back to the question, why is he? Why was he the coach to start the season? Well, exactly. the, the answer might, yeah, but the answer might be budgetary reasons. But the further this goes along, the less relevant those budgetary concerns are. No, I know. I know. I'll say this. If you're a team that had playoff aspirations this year and you're kind of like middling or you don't think you're getting the most out of your group, Bruce, there it is, showed you last season that in a 30- or 40-game window, there's not much of a better coaching option to bring in and turn things around than Boudreaux. So look around the NHL at a team that might be considering a coaching change to vaunt them into the postseason or maybe, like, kickstart something. That's, I mean, you're not paying Boudreaux if he's gone to get another job. You remember when he got fired in Washington? He was the head coach in Anaheim, like, two days later. Remember Mm -hmm. that? As soon as Anaheim was like, Boudreaux's available, Randy, you're done. 
And then that was, I mean, I think that there's something there. I think that the coaching change is inevitable, though, because I don't think that they're going to be able to do what they want to do roster-wise, trade-wise, during the season. Kyle and East Van, what we learned, I learned if you love someone, you must let them go to clear cap space and re-strategize for the future. It does not matter if Horvat scores 82 goals in 82 games, Canucks are not good enough to do anything. Uh, Mike and Aldergrove with what we learned. Halford needs to live stream himself watching the Canada World Cup games. It is good to see Halford is excited about something. I mean, you you watch the live stream. And sometimes when I'm going off the Canucks, going off on the Canucks and like yelling and getting all demonstrative and, you know, like excited and probably overly excited, Halford's just like, do, 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 do. Like, I don't even think he's listening to me. He's just kind of sitting there with it's one of those that, old black and white cartoons just relaxed. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I'm excited. I don't get excited about much. I'm not going to lie. But what is the, okay. What is the stakes on this for you? Because it's different when you go into the World Cup with a team that has World Cup aspirations. Mm-hmm. Like, got to win this thing, yeah. right? Like, so, you know. The stakes are low. Uh, yeah, but, like how, but how are you going to, like, you're going to be excited to, uh, you're going to be excited to watch Canada. Will you be nervous, though? Yeah. For sure, but 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 why? Because it, like you be, don't want to embarrass them. Yeah, like on I don't the want them, stage. Is that is that? I it? don't want them to go on their first World Cup game in thirty six years and be down three nil at the half against Belgium because they look right. completely overwhelmed by the moment. I you know it's a long shot of long shots, but I've seen crazier things happen. Go back in the history of the World Cups. There's always one weird team that has no business being in the quarterfinals that isn't in the quarterfinals. It yeah. happens. Groups do not always play out. You know why? Because you have one match, and it can all become unraveled after that match. Mm-hmm. It's not that un- not that much unlike March Madness. But to be to be to have to be nervous, you need to have that downside, right? Like the most nervous I've ever been watching sports was one of two times. It was either in overtime of the gold medal game in 2010, or in overtime or near the end of the Canucks Blackhawks game yeah. in 2011. Because I knew. Like, if Canada doesn't win that game, oh, my God. Or I knew that if the Canucks don't win that game, oh, my God. Right? Yeah, like this is what just it, a totally is, different it's sporting different, experience. Right? There's it's not, different. You know, yeah, you're talking about do or die, emotional, uh, and where, like, the stakes are incredibly high because there's, there's an expectation of winning a championship. This is a lot different. Canada's championship would be getting out of the group. Mm-hmm. That would be an amazing accomplishment. But then I think you'd get nervous for the games. If they get out of the group, then you're like, hey, why not? Let's do this. I know this. I, it's just not It's not going to be nerves for me. It's going to be – it feels rewarding. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Because I didn't think this was going to be possible for a very long time. Without hosting the World Cup. Exactly. And getting the automatic And birth. the way yeah. that they went out and earned it. It's validating and mm. it's kind of inspiring because there were, I mean, I, I've watched all those documentaries about how they got here and I forgot how low this program was. Like, you didn't really forget though. Scraping it out with, in Haiti, right? In the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Where there's like a, there's like a political coup, a military coup on the horizon. And well, didn't they blow that lead to Cuba in the gold cup? Like, that yes, wasn't that long ago. Like, it wasn't that long ago. And you're looking at the same group now and you're like, you're going to be taking on Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Which is crazy. And Modric. And they like, just beat Japan, which is great. And they played well. 
So it's exciting. It is exciting. Uh, I got one if you, unless you want. I I, I want to read the winner from Cam from Langley, and, okay. and we're rewarding Cam mostly for effort here. What we learned, photoshopping that photo of blue collar bruff and doing it at six a.m. has me like thirty minutes late for work, but I'm laughing my you know what off while doing it, and then again, hearing the drop before going to commercial was a hundred percent worth it. Thanks, boys. We always like it. When our listeners yeah. contribute to the show, uh, put some photoshopping on social media, and for that effort, Cam, you have to go watch the Canucks now. I'm sorry. Now we have two pairs of tickets to give away tomorrow. Meaning, I challenge our listeners to make even crazier photoshops of Bruff tomorrow. I'll tell you why. Try and get those tickets tomorrow. We'll put it out there now, dear listeners. You can get us on Twitter at Sportsnet650 at Sad Club Commish at Mike Halford604. Best Photoshop what we learn wins this uh, one one of the two sets of tickets. That sounds okay? good. That, that, that sounds worked. good. Because I did like that. And that was good. We need to really like spread our, our wings. Especially our if it's wings. a rough getting injured playing pickleball. If they could somehow make that happen, oh, yeah. I would definitely target that one. Get like a, a, a horse <laughs> in there. What we learned, you guys should play do play-by-play for England on Monday when they're losing to Iran because Harry Maguire scores on his own goal. See, I don't even know if I'm going to be that nervous for the England matches. Unless honest. unless they look good in the group stage, because I'm going in with very low expectations yeah. for England in this World Cup. My number one emotion for England is going to be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all I'm really going to the, feel. The Friday match against really, the Americans. Really, we are on the air during that match, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really want them. I will be nervous uh, against the Americans on Friday. That'll be fun. And if yep. if you you want to take the Friday afternoon off work and watch soccer because you've got like England versus the U.S., which has some historic. Like the Americans will soon be like we you know like we we had a revolution. I was like yeah, two hundred years ago. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch. And let me tell you, if England loses to the U.S., which is possible. Oh sure. That Anything- is going to be. That group, that group, which we are kind of uh, anointing as the group of death, is the most fascinating because you could see any result happening, right? There's obvious clear-cut favorites, but there's also kind of not. And you know what? Bottom line, I love that we've been able to talk this much football of the European variety on the show, and we've only had three hate texts. It's a real sign that we're... Record com- low listenership. <laughs> it's a sign, folks, that we're not driving away thousands. It's down to the hundreds. And I love every minute of it. And I am excited for tomorrow. And I am even more excited for the start of this World Cup. And I'm really excited for the live watch party on Wednesday. A reminder, visit our socials. Sportsnet 650 will have something pinned. Hollywood Theater, Daily Hive, Whitecaps, November 23rd, 11 a.m. We're going to have a watch party. Canada, Belgium, be there. At the Hollywood Theater. We got to go for now, but we will be back tomorrow. Signing off. I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been a laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford's just like, do-do-do-do-do-do. Like, I don't even think he's listening to me. He's just kind of sitting there with It's one of those old black and white cartoons. You have my undivided attention. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm,